0: Hello, this is Isaac Botkin. Welcome to another T-Rex Talk podcast, audio exclusive, whatever we're calling these things. And um, this one is late. I meant to record this last week and post it this Monday, but I'm actually recording it on Monday, hopefully to post on Monday, but we'll see what else happens. I'm actually glad that it's been delayed because the topic... Uh, of this particular podcast is the need for decentralized communications, which when I was uh, kind of writing up the outline for this and thinking through some stuff was originally going to primarily about, be about the need for decentralized communications as regards to uh, centralized communications. But uh, something happened this week. We had major, major flooding uh, in Tennessee this weekend, which Also kind of underscores this point. Now, the need for communications networks is something that we have talked about at T-Rex before. There's a a live stream about this from a few weeks ago or a month ago. And the main point of that is that communications networks are not uh, radio networks. They're not gadgets or equipment networks. Communications networks are networks of people that's the really important lesson and, and takeaway. You need to be building these networks of people and then you figure out the equipment that you need to communicate. It's really easy in our world to start thinking about radio equipment, radio communication, is the need for radio networks, uh, as opposed to the communications networks of who the people are and what they need communicated uh, to them. But one of the things that I do want to talk about is the the centralized nature of almost all of the communications that we have today, which means two things: number one, it means that it is very fragile if that central uh, part of the network gets destroyed or damaged or limited in some way, like often happens in natural disasters. But there is also uh, a reason why you should have decentralized communications, and that is that the centralized authority can be compromised or want to control the information that is uh, in the wild. And I have an example from from uh, Connecticut. Uh, Last week, the Quinnipiac Quinnipiac University, however that's pronounced, uh, they announced that they will impose fines... And Wi-Fi restrictions on any students that uh, cannot or will not provide proof of vaccination—that's—that's um, that's, uh, COVID vaccinations, of course. Uh, I almost didn't say that, but then I realized, no, this podcast is basically a pretty decentralized form of communication compared to the other major major platforms where you're not allowed to talk about specific COVID vaccination-related stuff. But this is—I uh, can talk about this on this podcast at least for one episode. We'll see what happens after we post it. But uh, yeah, if you're a student in this university, starting in the fall semester, you will need to provide proof of vaccination, and if you can't or won't, there will be fines, weekly fines that, uh, that compound. The, the second week will be a larger fine than the first week, and so on, and then uh, also no Wi-Fi. Obviously, uh, this is kind of problematic for, <laughs> for a couple of reasons. I will go on the record right now and say, hey, don't go to university. At this point, it should be pretty obvious that you don't need to do that. Go to trade school or get a job or get an apprenticeship or start a business or do anything Because at this point, anything is cheaper than tuition and anything uh, has better ROI than a diploma. And I'm not even talking about the indoctrination or the vaccination fines. But this particular university up in Connecticut wants to punish unvaccinated students. And one of the ways they're going to do this is uh, you lose certain rights and privileges like uh, you're no longer allowed Netflix access, can't play Call of Duty anymore, But it could also be a more sinister thing that says that if you don't agree with or comply with government mandates, you will be cut off from sources of information and you will not be allowed to communicate with other people. Now I don't think that's actually what this Connecticut University is attempting, but that is something that other people have attempted. If you look throughout uh, history, even very recent history, like um, during Arab Spring, lots of governments turned off internet access and cell phone towers so that the people who were protesting the government had no ability to coordinate and communicate with one another. In fact, uh, this last month, there were massive protests uh, in Cuba. People were were chanting freedom and uh, other anti-government slogans, if you recall the headlines. Uh, And in addition to massive arrests and uh, mass trials, people being convicted to prison without any evidence being presented, stuff like that. At this point, I think almost a thousand people have been detained. Uh, While that was going on, There was also a large-scale jamming of the 40-meter band, uh, something that was aimed at preventing Cubans with radio equipment from making contact with people in the continental United States. Not 100% sure what was going on or how effective it was, but uh, American ham radio guys were able to see this huge amount of jamming in the 40-meter band, in that ham band, and uh, based on triangulation, it was all coming from uh, Cuba and the areas around Cuba. So Cutting people off from information and cutting people off from the ability to communicate is a very important control mechanism. So, like I mentioned, centralized channels of communication can be very fragile in times of disaster because there are more failure points that exist. Uh, but it's also very easy to misuse centralized communications because there are fewer control points that you actually need to have access to. So. Uh, We here in America have large centralized uh, information channels that are in cahoots with other large centralized powers. So a few months ago, I think you remember the White House, they dropped this bombshell saying that they were working with Facebook to flag content and deplatform people. So it wasn't just uh, Facebook flagging people doing X, Y, or Z. Uh, The White House itself was doing flagging of people directly to Facebook. And they, they also admitted that they were going to, after the very high levels of success of directly inserting uh, coronavirus information onto all posts that contained coronavirus misinformation. Uh, They want to do the exact same thing with private telecommunications. So your text communications with other people, your SMS messaging, um, they were working with the phone companies. Uh, They said, I'm not sure if this actually has been rolled out yet, but the White House said that they were working with phone companies so that if you have text conversations with people about coronavirus vaccination information, and that information is not actually part of the centralized uh, communication narrative, then you will get an alert uh, letting you know that that information is incorrect and pointing you towards the correct information. That way, whenever you have a private conversation about medical stuff, there will be some true information that gets defined by an independent third party, someone that is above reproach like factcheck.org, which actually, if you've been reading uh, decentralized information, you can find out that factcheck.org is actually a Facebook partner run by a former head of the CDC and is funded by a group that has $1.9 billion in Johnson & Johnson stock, Johnson & Johnson, of course, one of the many big pharma companies that produces a coronavirus vaccination itself. So a certain type of accepted information goes to people in these centralized channels. Uh, but it's it's not just an emphasis on the correct information in these centralized channels. You also see really clear attacks on decentralized channels. So, for example, remember after January 6th, uh, that, that coup attempt where, where American democracy was almost toppled by these these hardcore military activist types, you know, you saw them. They they looked like like little old ladies with American flags, and they were walking in between uh, the velvet ropes there at the Capitol. They were actually that was actually a military coup, and uh, it was just narrowly narrowly avoided. And uh, if you've been watching the news, you know, it was far far worse than anything that you could ever possibly see uh, when it comes to the overthrow of an entire democracy. Just so narrowly avoided, um, so narrowly avoided. Sorry, I was was rambling there for a second. But what happened was the mainstream media and the large centralized information sources started to complain about the decentralized alternative services. So the big tech companies, I'm talking about the biggest ones, Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon presented this unified front where they had to attack and shut down alternative information platforms like Gab and Parler to eliminate the possibility that people who had voted wrong uh, would have any place where they could talk about democracy wrong. And um, this looks, I would say, particularly bad when you compare it to what's happening in Afghanistan today. The Taliban has hundreds of thousands of soldiers coordinating direct military action of an actual military coup using WhatsApp. WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. For the last 20 years, the Taliban has been at war with America, not not in a New York op-ed kind of way, but like in an actual shooting war kind of way, killing American soldiers, But the current Taliban uh, spokesperson, should I say spokesperson? I think it's probably safe to say spokesman. I mean, I don't think they'll be offended. The current Taliban spokesman has 300,000 followers on Twitter. That's okay. Donald Trump, who was the president of the United States last year, still banned from Twitter. So, yeah, if you're starting to think that the controls on these centralized communication networks are a little bit too tight, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Now, I would like to make the case that a centralized service is not bad in and of itself. Centralizing things isn't always wrong. Centralized servers and centralized newspapers and satellite channels are very, very useful for a whole bunch of different reasons, but there does have to be some form of decentralized communication that is there in terms of failure, but also there to keep those centralized services or the centralized platforms honest. The problem is that once you have centralized servers that are easy to use it takes a lot of work and discipline to use those decentralized channels in tandem with the mainstream ones i would say that most of us almost all of us have gotten lazy in some way or another because reading books is harder than reading tweets and we really need to get back to truth and information and loving our neighbor face to face way harder than liking a stranger's post on Instagram. So we need to get better at actual self-sacrificing relationship decentralized relationships as well. Now, we do need to get better communication tools. I don't want to shy away from the gadgets and the equipment side of things partly because T-Rex Arms makes gadgets and equipment and tools and we love gear, but we have let too many of our different means of communication get co-opted. We've moved all of our email away from local storage and local ISPs to these Big, giant email platforms. Uh, We moved all of our self-hosted blogs to the big social media platforms. Pretty much everything on the internet has been moved away from small server farms to the giant, giant clouds that are at this point controlled by a very, very few centralized companies. And um, we're trying to reverse that in different ways. Certain people are doing a better job of it than others. One of the reasons that we have this podcast is so that we can have something that we could actually host on our own servers that we control, as opposed to being completely dependent upon giant media platforms like YouTube. But our relationship with YouTube is totally dependent on YouTube putting up with us. And the stuff that you're allowed to see on YouTube is totally dependent on what YouTube wants you to see. And, And then in the last year or just over a year. I mean, it was supposed to be two weeks, but I think, it's, uh, I think it's been a little more than two weeks. We've let lockdown stop our non-digital communication. So people are far more dependent on digital communication than they were in the past. That digital communication is far more centralized than it used to be in the past. And these are things that we, we, re- we need, really need to address. And I don't have a whole lot of really specific strategies for how this needs to happen, except for, well, a few little action points. One of them is read some books. I was at a bookstore last week, and um, yeah, you should you should go to a bookstore, you should buy books, you should read books. Also, I think it's really important that you build local relationships face-to-face. I know that it's not as fun as buying radio equipment and talking to strangers, but the good news is you don't need to buy any radio equipment to, to build relationships with people. But uh, I think that you also need to have the right attitude for the relationships that you have with your neighbors, and I, I would just encourage you to have a more a uh, sacrificial and serving attitude towards these things. Your neighbors probably need you a lot more than you need them. Um, it's not so much that they need you to necessarily communicate to them the right information about Afghanistan or the Second Amendment to dunk on them and destroy them in debates or anything like that. Um, but right now, a lot of your neighbors probably need another human being with a face. To be around them. While I was at the bookstore, I actually overheard a girl say to somebody, "Oh my goodness, it's you! I didn't recognize you without your mask on." Um, the ability to rebuild some communications and some local community trust is, I think, really, really important. And one of the things that happened over the weekend that I mentioned before was this massive. Uh, massive flood. Well, actually, it wasn't that massive. It was incredibly localized compared to floods that we've had in the past. And I've talked about the big flood of 2010 that wiped out power and internet for a huge chunk of middle Tennessee for weeks at a time. This was a much smaller flood, but it was a huge amount of rainfall that happened in Waverly, Tennessee. I think it was finally tallied at 17 inches in a 24-hour period, which is an immense... Uh, Amount of rain to fall in a really short amount of time. And even though it fell on a relatively small part of the county, it created a massively destructive flash flood. We still don't have the final death tolls. I think I think we're up to 15 or possibly 20. There were 40 missing people at one point. We've confirmed a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths of children, and a lot of homes being destroyed. I drove up to Waverly this morning and passed a whole bunch of houses that had been moved way off of their foundations, uh, barns that were completely flattened, shipping containers that had been picked up and bent around trees. But here's an interesting thing. Because the flood was pretty localized, um, a lot of Hickman County did not lose power. So there wasn't actually a technical communication breakdown during during this event. But I had no idea how to help the folks up there. A lot of people showed up to help. There was very little coordination. It wasn't because of a lack of technical communication capability and uh, I, I think that this, there's a, a number of lessons from every time there's an emergency situation and people rise to that occasion, um, you see a number of wonderful uh, and encouraging and helpful things like people showing up to help after a really tragic uh, bit of flooding. But at the same time, you also see some downsides. You see some weak points. You see some areas that need to be addressed so that people can do better next time. And one of the things that I realized is I did not have a very good local communication network with that other town. I did not know people well enough that uh, I could just call them. I didn't have their phone numbers. I'd met them here or bumped into them there, but I hadn't followed up on those relationships. And um, there's this very, um, well, it's smaller now, Uh, There's this very small town that's not very far away with an easy driving distance that uh, I just, I knew friends of friends that were there, but I did not know how to drive up and help people. And it wasn't a lack of communication capability. My phone was working. It wasn't a lack of resources. It was just that organization there. And so I would encourage all of you, like I said, read some books and build some relationships. That's, that's the main takeaway here. But at the same time, I, I do want to re-emphasize the need for decentralized communications. Even though centralized communication and, and cell phones did not fail, we, we really should not uh, take for granted that centralized communication will always be functioning and will always be the best place to go. So I do want to continue to be working on research regarding uh, radios and uh, various other types of decentralized platforms. Servers like uh, grayman.services, and um, ways of disseminating information that aren't on the big platforms, like podcasts such as this one, uh, but also radio stuff. So as, as you think about that, uh, I really want you to think about the relationships that you need to have and also some of the tools that you are looking for. And one of the things that I'm genuinely curious about, feel free to contact us about this because I would like to have your, um, your input. What is the most important piece of radio equipment that you could have. Would it be smaller, community-based, county-wide, squad size short-range radio, or long-range, state-to-state type radio, so you can call your friends in Connecticut and see how things are going over at that college? Um, give that some thought. Think really hard about what it is you're actually trying to accomplish, the information that you actually need, the people that you really need to be communicating with, yeah, build your communication strategies out from there. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast and uh, sign up for our newsletter, because that is the other way that uh, we can reach you without having to go through the massive big tech companies to let you know when something cool is happening or uh, when cool products are coming. But I'm not going to talk about that because I don't, uh, I don't leak products. That's, that's other people in the company's job.